I want to welcome everybody this morning. Hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas. Those that are here, those that are online. Um, hopefully you're still okay. You know, the day after Christmas is always a little bit of a struggle, is it not? Is that just me? All the the buildup and the and all the kids said, "Oh my gosh, yes, right." But we do we do have a, a week remaining. We have the new year coming, and so um, I want to kind of stay in this mini series that I began a couple weeks ago, and maybe explain to you why. One of the things that I always desire is that you know. Of course, you want to bring a word from God at the end of the day. If we understand that. But you also want a word that is, that is practical, right? And you're able to grab a hold of it and implement it into your life, right? Yeah. Because if we're preaching something that's... There was a season in my life that um, when I was young and dumb... Have you ever been young and dumb? Yeah. <laughs> now maybe I'm old and dumb. I don't know. Um, those, those sermons that, that really went over my head, I thought those were really the bomb, right? But then as I got older and some of my mentoring, I found out that that's probably not the best thing, right? We, we want spiritual, spiritual words and we want spiritual messages, but we need something in there that we can relate to and grab onto that can change us, right? So as I progress in my Christian walk, I realized that, that maybe the best sermons are those that are super spiritual, but yet um, hit me between the eyes and I can actually do something with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so hopefully, we, we started this series, um, last time I talked about the season of miracles, and I'm going to stay in that, miracle signs and wonders. And some of you might say, that's not a very practical message to preach to the church today. Well. There is, there is something to be said. I'm a little, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little concerned about the church at large and specifically the, the full gospel, Pentecostal, charismatic church. Um, that we've really become a little bit mainstream, right? Um, friendly, maybe not in a good way, meaning not wanting to raise too much ruckus or too much controversy or listen as as i've gotten older i really don't want to be labeled as one of those weirdos i kind of like people thinking i'm pretty normal right can we all be honest and so listen we're not supposed to be strange just to be strange but we are peculiar people can we say amen we should be different and so if we're a full gospel church and I'll explain that a little bit this morning, then we have to believe in the supernatural working of God. Right. The end. Yeah. Or I really would invite you to, I don't know, find another club. That's good preaching. We're not a club, right? We're the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to discover in Acts that the reason why the church burst at the seams and exploded was not because they were the smartest guys, not because they were politically correct or incorrect. It's because they had the goods, right? 
It's because there was the manifestation of the power of God was real, and it was right up in their grill. They couldn't deny miracles. And you can't deny signs, and you can't deny wonders. You can maybe disagree with it. You can maybe say that they're a bunch of whatever, but when authentic miracles happen, um, things happen. And so this morning, I want to talk about signs, but I want to go back really quick. If you missed the previous message, we talked about miracles. I, I basically taught out of, and when you get a chance, you can go there, that John 14, 12, 12 through 14 talks about that, that greater works would we do. Remember that passage? Yeah. Jesus said that the things that you see me doing, you're going to do in a greater measure. And I proved that that happened even in Peter's life. Remember, we pulled Peter out kind of and studied his life a little bit and some of his failures and weaknesses, but mostly the miracle of how God used him, right? He was the pioneer. He was Petro. He was Peter, the rock, right? He was the guy that started the church, really. I mean, of course God started, but it was his message. It was his, the anointing that came about the apostolic call on his life and we see how God used him in a miraculous way. We went to the one passage, and we'll go there again, how, remember, Peter's shadow, just his shadow, yeah. when he was going down the street, began to miraculously heal people. And to my knowledge, there wasn't that account with Jesus. Right. We're going to study wonders at some point in January, and we'll talk about Paul, kind of a similar thing. When, remember when they took Paul's handkerchief? and just a, a piece of that he prayed over and sent it out. And when somebody touched it, they got healed and delivered. That didn't happen in Jesus' ministry that I know of. And so the exciting thing is that we see is that we are a part of that great working in continuation, right? And you'll, you'll have the scholars and the evangelical mainstream that will tell you how that has ceased, right? They'll, they'll get into great debates and they'll let you know why those things are no longer needed today. But really, if you study the Bible and you really get into it, you can't do away with the supernatural working of God. Right. Can anybody say amen? amen. It's still here. It's still flowing, and God wants it to continue. So for us to make, a, make excuses as to why it doesn't really have to happen doesn't hold up. Amen? Yeah. And so let me get into this today. So we talked about miracles. I want to talk a little bit about signs this morning. But before I get to my text, go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, and I'm going to read 1 through 4. Yeah. And I'm going to bring up just some different passages at times about miracles, signs, and wonders to Hebrews chapter 2. I think I'm going to read 1 through 4. And then we're going to swing over to uh, Mark 16, the Great Commission. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. It says, therefore, we must give, give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just reward. 
How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first we began to spoke by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Verse 4. God also bearing witness both with what? Signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit according to his own will. At the end of the day, signs and wonders and miracles have always been and always should be a part of the New Testament church. Amen? Yeah. Now, there has been, there's been different people at different times and different movements where it seems like um, they moved in different gifts and miracles, signs and wonders, and I get that. And God has poured out that on different individuals at times and even different movements. But at the end of the day, the manifestation of the power of God was never supposed to be absent. You know what I'm talking about. And so I want to go to Mark 16 and prove this to you. And we're going to talk a little bit about what, what specifically are some of the signs. Now, this is an, an all-inclusive list, but I think that there's enough here for us to get a hold of some things and maybe some of you will like these and maybe some of you won't but don't dislike me if you get frustrated or sometimes then go into the word and you begin to study it does that make sense and so my desire is never to bring up um, controversial issues just to arouse people my desire is to speak the word of God with truth and at times it might convict you and hopefully change you. It, you know, conviction is not a bad thing. Can anybody say amen? amen? We all need it. All right, so let's go to Mark 16, and you've all read the Great Commission, or most of you probably have. And let's see what he says. 16, starting the verse 14. Later he appeared, meaning Jesus, to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he what? He, rebu he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because it did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you still believe that's part of our duty today? Yeah. Amen. Verse 16. He who believes is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 17. In these signs will what? Follow those who believe. In my name they will what? They'll cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. It's always good when God works with you and not against you. Can anybody say amen? The Lord working with them. This is important. We're going to talk about this. In confirming the word, the preached word, right? The rhema word, the now word, through what? What's your Bible say? Accompanying of signs. 
and he says amen. So we, we see the Great Commission. We see many people talk about, you know, Jesus commanding us to preach the gospel. We see it in Acts and we see it in many other places. And what I want to focus in on is that if Jesus said these signs would follow those who believe, and he brings this up right before his departure, I have to conclude that it's actually important. Amen. Is that a good assumption? Yeah. Am, I, am I stretching the truth? Am I going someplace that is wrong? I don't think so. And so he goes to this list of things that partly, um, and let, once again, I don't think this is an all-inclusive list. I think this is some of the highlights of saying, these are some of the signs of those who believe. The first one, he says, that in my name they will cast out demons. Yeah. It, it really is an amazing thing to me, and I have to tell you that I'm probably guilty of this as much as anybody else. Um, I'm amazed in the church in 2021 of how few devils we really have. They're, they're all gone. Really, let's just be honest. I mean, uh, we leave that fringe, that lunatic preaching to the crazy folk, and we want to be the mainline evangelical church, right, that doesn't really want to go there because we don't want to be labeled one of those deliverance people. Is, is this not true? I'm just being honest and real with you. Listen to me. If we believe the gospel, if we believe that we are going to do even greater works than what Jesus did, if I follow his, his ministry in, in the gospel, deliverance was an everyday almost occurrence in his ministry. He was constantly coming up against demonic forces. Amen. He just was. And many times they were inside of people. And he would cast them out, and he'd move on. Amen? Amen? And I'm just telling you today, I'm amazed in 2021 that we don't have any devils anymore. They're all gone. I mean, we have a pill for everything that's messed up. We have, we have more intellect than ever. We have more Google searching that we can do forever to deal with issues and problems. And listen, I understand the extremes. I understand I'm not, I've seen the extremes. I was a part of a church that went crazy with, with devil chasing. I get that. But I've also seen the other extreme of the, even the full gospel church that we've run away from deliverance for the sake of being comfortable and being normal. And I'm just here to tell you that people still need to be delivered. And people still have demons. They haven't disappeared. They haven't gone someplace. They've disguised themselves. They've rebranded, right? I think one of the greatest jobs the devil has done is rebranded and made it whatever the terminology is. And so I just want to encourage you 
that please don't be ultra critical or don't run away from deliverance ministry because people still need to be delivered. Can anybody say amen? amen. One of my favorite people to read about, and you've heard me many different times, and you know, I don't want people to get the misunderstanding when I talk about different revivalists or evangelists or the way they function. I'm not saying we were supposed to do what they did, but it does prove to me that, that this kind of stuff is real. And one of my heroes was Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. What a fascinating ministry that he had. If you, if you follow his life, I mean, of course, like everybody, any other great man or woman, usually they've run from the call of God. His, his, his wife was really the spiritual force in the family for many years. And he was just an a uneducated plumber that liked to hang out in kids' ministry. Really, that's what he did for many, many years until God got a hold of him and called him. But if you follow his, his, his writings, his sermons, and I even have some cassette tapes of one of the last guys that traveled with him and would go through many stories of, of what he saw and experienced what was just phenomenal. But much of his healing ministry was deliverance oriented, meaning he would actually slap you, kick you, and punch you in his sermon. Can you imagine 2021 if you came forward today and I punched you in the gut as hard as I could. He did that in his ministry. And about, about almost 100% of the time, they never felt it and they got healed. Isn't that amazing? And what he would say was, I'm not punching them, I'm punching the devil. One of my favorite stories, and you've probably heard me say it before, but I just got such a kick out of it, was um, in a crusade where he would have altar calls and a lady came forward and he slapped her across the face and she hit him back <laughs> and she went storming out of the service mad as all get out now I don't know I don't know how he recovered from that you know what I mean how did you recover from getting slapped back and seeming no nothing happened but the cool part was she came back the second night in tears and repentance. She went to her doctor and she was 100% healed. She had, she had a case of, of death cancer in her life. And Smith just said, I, when people would come forward, I would see the devil and I would just knock the devil out of him. Now, I, you would think that somebody would have set him aside and said, Smith, maybe there's a different way of you doing this. Maybe we don't have to punch or slap. He actually kicked a young child, they said one time, almost four to five feet backwards. Wow. And when the child landed on his feet, he was completely healed. And he never felt a thing. Wow. Listen, I'm not telling you to be Smith. I'm not telling you these stories because I'm just telling you that, that God still delivers. Can anybody say amen? Amen. And, and many times I, I am concerned that we really have kind of become so, I don't even know what the term is, um, of, of just kind of avoiding that whole subject. Is that, is that not truth? And I'm just telling you that one of the signs of, of believers is that we cast out devils. 
Now, I know, I know after the service, you're all going to come to me and say, how do I sign up for that ministry? <laughs> all right, let's move on. We need it. That's my point. We need it. And we need to uncover when the devil is doing something, expose it, and, and move on. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues. One of the last times that I went and picked up Chloe and Caleb was with me, we got in a discussion on tongues. And she was asking me a lot of questions. So, um, just for the record, I'm a tongue talker. You can say I'm weird, I'm strange, I'm... I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost amen. with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. Can anybody say amen? amen? Now, maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you don't completely agree with it. But can I just give you a word of wisdom? Don't necessarily come against it. Does that make sense? I have a lot of friends that I love that are mainstream, and we've had some serious discussions on tongues, and they are not for it, and I'm okay with that. But what I do tell them is don't come at me and tell me that it's not of God. Because then we're going to have issues. You choose not to function in that, it's okay. But I'm just telling you that for me, tongues is, is part of my world. It's part of my lifeline. It's part of my DNA. Amen? Amen. And so... The Bible says they'll speak in new tongues. I'm not talking about the gift of tongues. I'm not talking about the interpretation of tongues. I'm talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in new tongues. Amen. And it was funny. We talked about that. And I, and I just broke out for Chloe and Caleb some real hardcore spiritual warfare tongues. I said, I want you to see something that anytime, any place, I can function in that. It's not that I'm better than anybody. It's not that I'm trying to be prideful. It's part of what God's given me. Amen? Yeah. And, and can I just give you a note as far as for that for me? Some of you will say, well, what's the purpose of it? Maybe sometime I'll do a, a, a whole message on that so I can give it justice. But can I tell you this? That when I don't know what to pray yeah. and my back is against the wall, my secret weapon has always been tongues. Always has been, always will be. Amen? It's kind of like when, when all hell is breaking loose and nothing seems to move and, and nothing seems to make sense and I don't know how to pray in English, man, that's when tongues is everything to me. I begin to pray in tongues. I begin to pray in the Spirit. And I can tell you, that, that for me, it re-energizes me. It, it builds faith inside of me. But most of all, this is the thing. Here's, here, this is free gift for you. Tongues. The devil cannot understand tongues. Tell me that's not cool. It is the ability to pray from your spirit to the throne room of God, and he doesn't know what you're saying. Can anybody say amen? amen. So that, that prayer is going to the throne room of heaven, and here's the other cool thing about it. You really can't mess it up. Isn't that cool? You ever messed up before? You ever prayed selfishly before, emotionally before? You can't pray emotionally when you're praying in tongues. 
are you getting hold of that? Some of you are getting hit a little bit with that. I'm just telling you. For me, it's, it's that lifeline. It's that direct connection to God. And see, once again, we don't want to go there too much because we don't want to be branded one of those crazy tongue talkers. Because they're the, they're the strange ones. They're the wild ones. They're the ones that we don't really want to be associated with too much sometimes. Get over yourself. Anybody say amen? amen. Get over yourself. Amen. Either you believe it or you don't. And if you do, then enter into it and use what God's given you. Can anybody say amen? amen? So, the Bible says that believers, one of the signs is they'll speak in new tongues. Follow Acts sometimes when it talks about the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in new tongues. So, Maybe at some point we'll, we'll get into that so people can have a good background and teaching on that. Fine. Okay, let's keep moving on. They'll take up serpents. So, and once again, I mean, how many of you have seen some of the weird churches that bring snakes? You're not going to see today Jeff Ekstrom grabbing a cobra and dancing with a snake. You know, 2020, they love to bring those churches on, don't they? Yeah. Here's the full gospel lunatics up in the mountains. They don't have no teeth. They can't talk very good. And they bring out the snakes. Oh and they label us all in that group. Oh I'm not a part of that group. Can anybody say amen? amen. So they take the literal, inter literal interpretation here, which is just crazy to me. Now, I believe like Paul, when a viper came out and snatched onto that boy and he shook it off in Jesus' name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's God. Yeah. He didn't ask for that snake to come out, but we know that the deadly poison did not penetrate because of his faith and because of the healing virtue of God. But to me, it's talking about, um, it's talking about spiritual warfare, Right? the ability for believers to be able to fight against the forces of darkness. Once again, really, um, in the 90s, really this revolutionized my life. Some of the camps that I was involved in really was strong in warfare, and God really taught me and trained me. And, but it really seems like that we really haven't heard a whole lot about this stuff lately. And I'm just here to tell you that you're all called to war. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you think that, well, and, and Chris will attest to this. I used to, when we started our church, I would have people tell me, you know, I'm just not called to warfare. It's just not my thing. Really? So it's just my thing? Well, you know, I'm just not my, that's not my personality. That's not my, I just, you know, that's not who I am. Listen. We're all called in Ephesians to take on the whole armor of God. Every single one of us. And I'll have to, I, I had to apologize even to Sophie and Chloe and Ella recently. I don't know, probably one of the areas I could have done a lot better job in is teaching on warfare. In the wiles of the devil. They'll never forget when they got schooled in Hawaii. 
We were sitting around with a nice dinner and they began to tell me how some occultic activity really wasn't that occultic. And I almost came up over the table. Yeah. And it was on, right? Here we're having this beautiful vacation. All of a sudden we go into spiritual warfare mode. And I understand what they were saying, but I wanted them to understand that behind the scenes, the angel of light looks good. Can anybody say amen? amen? But behind closed doors, it's not an angel of light. It's demonic. It's ungodly. And sometimes you got to do warfare. Sometimes you got to pray. Sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes you got to contend. Can anybody say amen? And I remember telling them, there will come a time that you will have to do this. See, one thing they didn't understand, and maybe they won't until someday they're completely out. As a father or as a mother, you should contend and pray for your kids. You should, you should bring a strong spiritual covering over their lives. And of course, you'll do that from the time they're born until they die, hopefully. But there is something different about them being in your house underneath your covering where the experience, the favor of God and the hand of God and the anointing of God and they're underneath your, I would almost say, warfare dominion. And when they step out from underneath it, they need to be ready. Can anybody say amen? amen. Because the devil's waiting there to kill them, to steal, to kill, and destroy their lives. And we've painted this rosy picture too much to say, well, you know, the devil will just kind of, you leave him alone and he'll leave you alone, honey. Just don't, don't rouse that thing up. You rouse it up and you're going to get in trouble. It'll come back after you. We've kind of believed that lie, haven't we? So listen, we can take up deadly serpents and we can win. Drink anything deadly, it says. To me, that talks about supernatural protection. I'll never forget it. Remember that story about um, Papa Vogel and they went to, was it Africa? What a story. Here's an example. They go on this missionary journey and all of them at dinner time became sick, deathly sick. And what they didn't realize is one of the tribe member had fed them poison, all of them, deadly poison. And they began to pray. And every single one of them recovered and lived. They all should have been dead. So when it talks about drinking, this is talking about God's supernatural protection, whether it's drinking something that's not healthy for us, whether it's around a virus, come on, that we're dealing with, or what the next plague is going to be or the next thing. We have to be the people that believe that God can still protect his people. Can anybody say amen? amen. And so one of the signs for us should be of a notable God's protection on our lives. And then it says, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do we still believe in laying on of hands? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. We talked about, remember last week, of, of Peter at the gate of beautiful. 
the beggar that was there from the time of birth being crippled and that day, that particular time, healing comes and the whole city is stirred. The whole region is affected by one miracle. Can anybody say amen? amen. And so we have to believe in the word of God that one of the signs of believers is going to help expand the gospel to all creatures, to every nation, is understanding and moving in healing. See, once again, you know, what if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed? What if I step out in faith? And, and listen, we all can say that. And we all can be fearful. But at the end of the day, we, we have to remove our pride from the equation at some point. And just say, God, I'm willing to be used of you. I'm willing to look like a whatever it is for the cause of Christ. Amen? Amen. And so the Bible says that we'll lay hands on the sick and the recover. And look at this when you finish up. I, I love verse 20. It says, so after this, Christ ascends. He goes back to the right hand of God. And verse 20 says, and they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the company of signs. So when they would go into a region or an area or a village or a synagogue or whatever it was, and they'd preach the good news, they'd preach the gospel, there were physical manifestation of the power of God when they got done preaching. That's how the early church grew. Not because they were so stinking smart. They grew because the power of God was evident behind what they said and what they did. Can anybody say amen? We start seeing a few miracle signs and wonders at Praise Fellowship. We just might grow. You think? I think we would. I've been in, I've been in some of the crusades where they bring in, I'll never forget one particular up at, in Buffalo, 15, 20,000 people and in the back, all the sick on the bed, right? Yeah. This was their last hope. They had no other hope. If they didn't get healed, they probably were going to die. And they heard of a preacher that was coming to town and so they decided to come. Now, I don't know how many got healed and didn't get healed. I know a lot did. Can anybody say amen? amen? So thank God there was somebody bold enough to come into the city and say God still heals. That's right. Another one you know that I've talked about before that was unbelievable was Catherine Kuhlman. Oh, yeah. The way she flowed in healing and belief and trust. She saw real miracles. Can anybody say amen? amen? You can go back and see some of the footage of what she did. Move over real quick to Acts and we'll, we're 11.03, we're good. Go to Acts 4. And I'm going to give you a couple of areas where it just brings up, and I want to bring a character. Last week we brought Peter into play. I want to bring Stephen into play this morning. Because some of you will say to me, well, you know, the signs and the wonders and miracles were for the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists. And, and I'm going to prove to you that's not true. 
Um, Acts 4, 29 through 31. I'm just going to read a couple of these passages and then just touch on them. One of my favorite ones, actually, says, Now look at, this is when they were being threatened, and grant your servants that they with all boldness may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They knew the key in the early day that they needed the hand of God to be stretched out to heal, to do signs, to do wonders so that the gospel and the good news could be preached and it could be expanded. 31 talks about how when they did that, they prayed, the place was shaken, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Go to Acts 5, 12 through 16, and we read this last week. This is a story about um, Peter in the shadow and how, it, but and here's the amazing thing about this story when you talk about different movements and healings because look at the verse 16 of, of that. It says, Also multitude gathered from around the cities bringing the sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. There it is again. And they were all healed. Isn't that incredible? All these people come out to the street. They hear that Peter's in town. And the Bible says all that were possessed and were sick in body, mind, body, so whatever, they got healed. Signs and wonders are happening. Let's go to six and hear about and see what happens in Stephen's life. And we'll talk about him a little bit. Acts 6, 8. To give you a little bit of a backdrop, the, the apostles are becoming exhausted with manual labor. Remember that story? Right? And they said, man, we need to stop waiting on tables. We need to stop doing all this stuff. We need to devote ourselves to the word and to prayer. So let's replace ourselves. Let's replicate ourselves, right? So they found six men, I think it was, and that were full of the Holy Spirit and had a good reputation. They lay hands on them, and they, they send them out, right? Not out. They send them to do manual tasks. Isn't that amazing that to even be a, a deacon— you had to be full of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in your life. So Stephen was one of those that had hands laid on him. That's a whole other subject, the power of laying on of hands, right? Listen, how many of you believe in education? I do. But once again, in 2020, in 2021, in 2000, we're more about education sometimes than impartation. Do you hear me? Some of my greatest awakenings and spiritual things that happened in my life were through divine laying on of hands and impartation into my life by godly men and godly women that would put their holy hands on my head and begin to pray and begin to stir up and begin to speak the will and the mandate of God in my life. Amen. We need that function too. So you going to Bible school for four years to be a good little pastor is not enough. Amen? Amen? Along the way, you need some good mentors, some good people to lay hands on you yeah. Yeah. and to stir up and to have faith 
that what God wants to do in your life is going to come to pass. Because by the way, that's how they did it back in the day when it actually worked. Just saying. It did work because the church grew, the church grew and, and it changed the world. So Acts chapter 6, 8 says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did what? Great wonders and signs among the people. And when you get a chance, go on and, and look at his life. And he didn't live very long after this, did he? I mean, I don't know how long it was, but the poor guy gets full of faith and signs and wonders and they kill him. So some of you are saying, maybe I don't want that ministry. But here's the thing that I want to really point out and drive home the last couple minutes is that Stephen was not, according to the Bible, an apostle. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a teacher even. He wasn't an evangelist and he wasn't a pastor. He was a man that hung around godly men that wanted God's will in his life, had hands laid on him, had faith, and he goes out and he produces signs and wonders and miracles. He was an ordinary Joe. Yeah. Do you hear me? Yes. Just like I did last week with Peter, this is where I want to bring encouragement to you and to me. So how do we bring this full circle, this sermon on signs and miracles? This is my message to you. That if you're 90 years old and you're a widow and all you have is God in faith, that's enough Amen. to see signs and wonders and miracles. Do you hear me? Yeah. You don't have to be 90. You could be nine years old. My point being is you don't, this isn't a specially elect thing. This isn't, I told you before that one of my heroes is Bishop Bill Hammond, if you get a chance to read some of his stuff, and he really pioneered the prophetic movement, was one of the major players, has a respect in a lot of circles. One of his last books that I, that God really bought, brought back to my remembrance. He, and he's a, he's a great student of the, of the moves of God. He has books this thick that go through every movement. What was the major truth that God brought out? Who God really used in that movement when he used M Luther and Knox and Wesley and, and, and all of the great shakers and movers. One of the things that he says will be one of the greatest movements is what he calls the saints movement. And what he says the saints movement is, is when we take away the big shot preachers, right? That they're the only ones that can move in the supernatural and it flows down to the saints and they actually believe. The saints believe. The saints believe that they can move in signs and wonders and miracles because it's the same God. And I have to tell you, I believe in that. Because I, I know that God said he's no respecter of persons. Right. You believe him, you trust in him, you pray to him, you're faithful to him. God will be faithful to you. Can anybody say amen? amen? And so we have to believe in this hour as being a part of a, 
I mean, last I knew, Brian, we're still categorized as a charismatic church, are we not? As a team of elders, we still believe we're charismatic. Charisma. We believe in the gifts. We believe in the function of the Holy Ghost. We believe the God of miracles, signs, and wonders. We believe as an eldership team in these things. And so we'd be hypocritical if we never preached about it or exhorted it. Right? Right? Maybe we should just stay the cute little evangelical mainstream church and not ruckus any feathers and not upset any boats. And come on, that's no fun. It isn't any fun. It's, it's a little mundane. That's why I think some, some Christians get bored at times. Amen. Anytime, any place. Amen. Amen. My spiritual dad, which I w- wish you all could meet, and his wife, beautiful wife, Sister C, who's still alive, still preaching, but getting very old. Man, we, he was the funnest person to hang out with in the world. When I say fun, we would shop together, go out to eat together, but just like that, we would go down the mall. We'd be shopping, and all of a sudden, there he goes. And I'm like, oh, my God, Pa, right here, right now? I don't want to be associated with that. I'm your, you're my son. This is what I do. All right. Want to get some Starbucks? What a wonderful individual, though, to see what it really was like to to walk in the Spirit. He didn't do it for show. He didn't do it to... It was just who he was. It was his DNA. Can anybody say amen? amen? And so it was so awesome for me and Chris to be able to actually be around that and be next to that, to see somebody that actually lived that thing out. By the way, he was the youngest person ever to be ordained in the Assemblies of God Church. At age 17, was it 16 or 17? He took to the streets and started preaching the gospel. And here's the amazing thing that I have to say about him. Not one time was there ever any major controversy over his life or his ministry. Not one. Stayed true to the call of God. By the way, you want to know how he married his wife? Here's a good story of miracles, signs, and wonders. She was in the hospital, and she was dying of polio. This healing evangelist was in town. He came in, prayed for her, got her healed, and when she was old enough, married her. That's a pretty cool testimony, isn't it? She wasn't old enough immediately. She was too young. So he had to wait. (laughs) Oh, the stories. Let's end on Romans 15. And next time I preach, it'll be sometime in January. We're yet to figure that out, aren't we, AJ? Where's AJ at? Is he here? Um, Romans 15. And and we'll talk about probably one of my other, um, probably number one heroes is Paul in the Bible. Romans 15, just 19. 
and, and I love this about Paul. He wasn't ashamed. 1519 says, in many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that so that from Jerusalem and around about I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And mighty signs. You remember one of the areas that I've preached on before, that when Paul comes before King Grippa and says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You can say I'm mad, you can say I'm crazy, you can say I'm one of those lunatics. But Paul stood face to face with the Roman Empire and said, I fulfilled the man mandate of God on my life. I preached the full gospel. Amen? Not partial, not the stuff that was just pretty, but I gave it everything I had. The full gospel was at display in my life and in my preaching. Can anybody say amen? amen. I hope to heavens that someday when I go down, they can say that he preached the whole gospel. Amen. It wasn't just about pieces and parts. Amen? And so one of the things that we'll study, could you come up and play? Study will be Paul, and then we'll deal with what is wonders. Amen? Everybody thought about that? We've kind of touched on miracles. We've touched on signs. But we're going to discuss Paul and some of the wonders that he saw in his ministry. I mean, Paul had a pretty radical salvation, right? You're coming to town. By the way, we talked about Stephen. Who was at Stephen's death giving approval to it? Paul was. Paul did everything in his power to stop this Christianity movement, right? And he's riding in on his horse. I'll never forget Apostle C's uh, title, The Holy Spirit Ain't No Gentleman. I love that sermon. And Paul's riding into town, and what happens? See, I still believe that if God wants to take you down anytime in any place, he can do it. And he takes Paul down, and he begins to display to him who he really is. And why are you resisting me, Paul? And we know the story. He becomes blind, and eventually his eyes are opened up. And he never looks back. See, that's the thing that I love about Paul. He never looks back. After his transformation, after his salvation, he never looks back. He gives everything he has. Amen? And so let's bow our heads and pray. Father, as we've been going through this subject today, it's not to me to bring any kind of I don't know, condemnation, any kind of regret into anybody's life. But God, I do believe that in this hour, if the church really is going to be what she's called to be, if we're really going to see the lost saved, if we're really going to expand the gospel, that it has to be more, not just about words. But it has to be about the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit that we still believe that our God does in 2021 and going into 2022. He still heals. He still casts out devils. He 
still delivers. He still repairs broken marriages. He still does the miraculous. And so, Father, raise up faith in this church and these people today. God, we take confidence in what we read today in your word. I'm asking you in 2022 that whoever preaches in this pulpit, that there will be a manifestation of your spirit confirming the word of God. That your word would be confirmed, not for the preacher's sake, but for the sake of the church and for the gospel. God, increase our faith this coming year. God, I pray that we'd fight like we've never fought before. We'd believe like we've never believed before. We'd hope like we've never hoped before. We'd worship like we've never worshiped before. We'd sing like we've never sung before. We'd dance like we've never danced before. We'd shout like we've never shouted before. That we would be a people that the world truly does see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Before I end, do me a favor with your eyes closed. If anybody is in need of a miracle, a healing, why don't you raise your hands? Keep them up just for a couple minutes. Nobody else looking around. Father, right now, I preached your word. I believe in it wholly. They're raising their hands because they're in need this morning. And I am asking you for miracle signs and wonders in their lives. God, I speak to the unmovable thing that stands in their way. You said we could speak to the mountain that would have to be removed. You said that if we had faith, that all things would be possible to them that believed. And in this place, there's faith, there's hope. And so God, as their hands are raised high to heaven, God, we speak the manifestation, the miraculous move of the Holy Spirit to intervene, to make a way where there seems to be no way. Let the word of God not return void, but where you send it, let it prosper, let it be fulfilled, let it produce life and fruit in hope and healing. God, in Jesus' name, we declare that you're more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think or even pray. So we take a moment today and we encourage them to believe God. God, if there's every time that we need to lift each other up and to encourage each other, it's today. God, we break the power of death. We break the power of disappointment. We break the power of depression. We break the power of despair. We break the hand of the enemy from trying to go in in 2022 and destroy lives and businesses and children. God, we speak hope. We speak covering. We speak truth. We speak life. We speak love. 
to cover them. We speak grace to be sufficient. As Paul said, your grace is sufficient. So, Father, whatever they're coming up against, God, they are more than able. They are more than able. They are more than able. They are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. God, let us raise, rise up and be what you've called us to be this coming new year. Father, we seal this word in your name. God, bring encouragement and bring hope during this holiday season like we have never seen before. And all God's people said, amen, and God bless you. Thank you for all the kids being so well-behaved. I didn't even know they were here today, amen? <laughs>